It's time for Getting Down to Business with Mark Mondo. This new show discusses trends, technology, and tactics to help the listener learn more about improving sales, saving money, and fulfilling a personal mission through entrepreneurship. Welcome to Getting Down to Business with Mark Mondo on WVLP 103.1 FM. I'm your host, Mark Mondo. We're on the air in Valparaiso, Indiana, and you can listen to us streaming on the website at wvlp.org or use the TuneIn app on your mobile device and look for WVLP. 103.1 FM WVLP is a local nonprofit radio station based in Valparaiso, Indiana. This show, like many of the shows on WVLP, are made possible by the generosity of donors and underwriters. We accept donations at WVLP.org. Simply click on the support tab and make a one-time donation or sustained pledge to WVLP. All donations are tax deductible. Underwriters are made up of businesses and organizations that support the shows on WVLP. Getting down to business with Mark Mondo would like to thank Holmes by Hortensia, a Coldwell Banker affiliate in Porter County, Indiana, for their support. Holmes by Hortensia has served the region's residential real estate needs in Indiana for over 12 years. Contact Hortensia Moreno or Tiffany Zorio at 219-249-5118 or visit homesbyhortensia.com. Homes by Hortensia, habla español. Welcome to today's show. Today, we're getting away from the traditional mold of what you may think of when you hear the word entrepreneur. In the last two episodes, we went old school by telling stories of commercial real estate agents that started from scratch and succeeded. Now we're going to the polar opposite, musicians. I am curious to see how someone can succeed in this field because I don't understand the success of a Britney Spears or a Taylor Swift. While I have met more talented singers, yet they didn't get that big break. So I'm way out of my league when it comes to the knowledge of the music industry or my knowledge of the music industry. So let me introduce the experts instead. To my side, I got the producer. She's a star soprano and my wife. Let's introduce Mrs. Cynthia Zimmerman. Thank you, darling. And to my other side is Cynthia's is Cynthia's music colleague, dear friend, singer, and teacher of piano and voice, Miss Tina Papademos. Welcome. Thanks, you guys. So what we're going to do today is really the focus is going to be about Tina, because Tina is a professional musician, and we're going to correlate how her life is in many ways similar to an entrepreneur, We're going to talk about the similarities and differences of how a professional musician makes a living versus entrepreneurs. Like, I'm more familiar with IT, so I did a whole different path. And then she's going to talk about her techniques, again, tactics of how to get employment, including 
getting students for her piano lessons and how to make the audition circuit. That's very different from getting an IT gig. I don't have to go sing. So I don't know what's what has to be done. I agree. You don't have to, <laughs> don't have to audition for IT gigs. Is that what you're saying? Well, we do. A, I guess that we kind of do. It's called the sales call. Yes. Like interview. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. But, I'm not, but I'm not singing. I don't sing for my supper. Well, we're selling <laughs> our product, which is ourselves, our bodies, you know, our voice, oh. not our bodies, our voice for a gig, for a show or a performance. And if they, you know, it could be as little as like they think you're too short or they don't like the tom timbre of your voice. Uh, so, yeah, auditions are the creative artist version of a sales call. I could, yeah. you could say. And then we're going to talk about Cynthia, your journey becoming a professional musician, your story. We've kind of talked about it in sound bites in the last few episodes, but I think we'll start expanding your backstory. And then I want to expand the backstory between Cynthia and Tina and how both of you have succeeded. And I consider you both successful. Let's start off with Cynthia. And Cynthia, how did you get here? How do I get here? Well, I grew up in a family of musicians, and after some soul searching and getting a degree in speech pathology, I decided I actually did not want a career in speech pathology. So I went back to school and I got my undergraduate and graduate degrees in voice performance. And so I have extensive experience working in choirs, doing operettas, musical theater, operas. And it was through after graduate school when I was auditioning and got into a couple of Gilbert and Sullivan shows, which is operetta shows at Light Opera Works in Evanston that I met Tina. And uh, we really kind of kicked it off. We had, you know, similar struggles, similar sense mm -hmm. of humor and everything. And we just clicked. And it's just, it was not, I knew it was not going to be an easy choice of a career. I didn't understand at that time how when you're uh, a performer, you really have to be multifaceted as a musician. You need to be a, to put yourself out there as not only a performer, but as a teacher or working as a producer or writing. You know, it, you can do all avenues of music, whether it be traditional classical music or commercial music. And I just did not really come with that ideology and or tools to do that. So I was just basically going out and, and auditioning and singing for, for live performances. Uh, the one fortunate thing, which a lot of classically trained singers do, is they get a job being hired as a professional soloist for a temple or a church. And that's, again, that's where Tina and I kind of solidified our relationship because we both are the soloists, uh, her for the alto section, me for soprano section of Christ Church Episcopal in Winnetka. And, uh, but those are bread and butter. That's where a lot of singers get their bread and butter from is having a church, what we call church gig or singing in uh, professional choirs, which I'll let Tina share more about that because she's had a lot of success in that. And also doing what for some of the music publishers, they would have singers come in and basically sight read music for recordings so that they could sell the published music to conductors and others who want to buy it. So I never, I never went into the teaching field because I just never had that kind of confidence. Uh, looking back on it, of course, I probably would have been a good idea uh, to teach, but I decided to go with one of my strengths with his administration skills. 
And I supported my singing by having office work, which I still do. And uh, long journey of, you know, having auditions and not really succeeding. And also just the ups and downs of your psyche. You know, am I good enough? What am I doing wrong? Why can't I get this job, that gig? You know, I'm not working hard enough. I'm not practicing enough, things like that. But in the end, in my 40s, really, it was when I started to kind of have an epiphany. It was like, well, maybe that's not really where I want to be. You know, I thought I was going to be up on the opera stage or the musical theater stage. And I realized that that's, I can do it and I love it. It's a lot of fun. But I wasn't willing to make that commitment of basically living out of a suitcase. And I wanted a home and well, I wanted stability. About, yeah. So that's why I ended up going into nonprofit administration and being a part-time musician. Let's talk about the journey of how both of you have succeeded at a niche that's, re it's hard to get into. I'm sure being a pop star is not easy because there's thousands of blondes that they, you know, they can mm -hmm. find, uh, not, you know, the blonde archetype. Uh, there are, and I kind of use an analogous to sports, you know, not everybody's going to make it to the NFL. I think the statistic I always mm -hmm. remember is out of a hundred thousand high school players, one might make it to the NFL, you mm -hmm. know, so out of a hundred thousand to one, I don't know what the pop star to, you know, musician to sign pop star with the big contract is. I, I got a feeling it's in the thousands. You know, you're competing among thousands to get a oh, niche. Oh, you that are. Side. Now, it, it really is. And actually, I like to, okay, I'll quickly finish up my journey because I want to hear Tina's journey. Yes, and, we do. And uh, basically, I knew that, first of all, I'm a soprano, which is like a dime a dozen. Even <laughs> in the classical world, there's so many of us. And two, I played flute. Again, dime a dozen. There are millions of us. And when I decided to focus on singing, one of the first things my mother said as a professional singer was, it's going to be hard. Just know that it's always going to be hard and you're not going to get the outcomes you always want. And I said I knew that, you know, being young and youthful and positive. I was like, yeah, absolutely. I get that. No, I didn't get that. I mean, it took many years of emotional ups and downs and crying to my mom and crying to my friends and trying again to realize that this is the life. If you want to do this, you're going to always have these challenges. And you, your job as a musician is to be the best you can be mentally, physically, vocally, and prepared and go out and try to find those opportunities, but never to take it personally that you're not good enough. And I didn't learn that until way into my 40s. That's but so... so from that, I decided where I wanted to be a musician. And I realized church music, being a church soloist and working in small ensembles was really my niche is where I, I found joy. And that's where I've been. And that's where I've stayed. So now I want to go to Tina. Actually, I want to do one couple things before we get okay. to, to Tina. My apologies. Some good stories here. See, so uh, one of them is you found your niche, you got your success story. How, I I, th I remember you had a challenge. You were kind of down on yourself a few years ago. And I said, you know what? This was after tw in 2017. Mm. You were a little, a little hard on yourself in 2017. Mm -hmm. We were together in Winchester, England. Mm -hmm. And you just came back from singing a solo in a cathedral. Mm-hmm. And by the way, for those who don't know, Winchester Cathedral is 
and it, it, uh, literally a cathedral in the south of England. Winchester was the original capital of England before London. So this is, this was built like in the year 900 or something. <laughs> and I said, at the end of the day, you performed a solo mm-hmm. at a thousand year old cathedral. Mm-hmm. You done good. Yeah. That see so, that's that was that was a blessing that you took me out of myself to help me put things in perspective. And I think that's a hard thing for a lot of performers, musicians to do when they're young and working so hard to get their career off the ground is that you have to step out and see what you've succeeded in and in the situation that you in and live in the moment. Because when you said that, I was like, yeah, I actually sang a solo that was composed by our choir director for me in this beautiful sanctuary. And afterwards, the head bishop or that was leading the worship that even song gave me a compliment and it had to wait until you said something for me to go oh yeah this is a blessing this is a good thing I did well okay instead of saying oh I don't think I was on pitch on that note or should have held this a little longer you know blah 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 (laughs) and nobody else saw that nobody else you know nobody else mentioned that so yeah that that's a good example of what I went through pretty much my whole career and until I matured enough to realize what I can handle, what I really want to do, and where my talents lie. And the ability to, to take rejection. And the ability to take rejection. It, I think for me, it was very hard. And yeah. I got very nervous at auditions. Some I did really well, and some I didn't. But it really was, you walk into that room, and there's a certain vibe. They're either, they want you to succeed because they're fellow musicians, or they just want everybody to have a good experience. Or you go in there, and you're like, oh, my God. They hate me the minute I walk in the door, you know, well, that- or they don't like the selection of music I've chosen for the audition. And so, you know, you just, and at some point, especially when I was auditioning for professional choirs in Chicago, they were not good because I was just so psyching myself out and so nervous. So I just had to kind of come to grips with either I keep going back and working at my audition technique to get into these choirs choirs or I decide to go in a different direction where I'll get more joy and less stress and I decided to go that direction so uh, that's why yeah yeah, go ahead that's why I would like to transfer over to Tina because she has a different journey than I did uh, and where she ended up yeah and we get get into Tina now I've got my second my second thought before I I I had a brain freeze Mm -hmm. and now I notice between your story mm-hmm. and then if you all listen to the other episodes with connor and matt the mm-hmm. ability to weather rejection is becoming a common theme mm-hmm. and in my case the services i sell uh, yeah you know putting up rejection or losing account mm-hmm. has been a skill that has taken me a while i'm still mm-hmm. you know i i could always get better at it but i think mm-hmm. between listening to you Matthew and Connor, you're light years ahead. And with that said, let's get into a story of Miss Tina Papademos, of how you got here. Your story is a lot different than mine, a lot Mm -hmm. different than Cynthia's. Mm -hmm. And let's roll. Landed from the ancient. uh, (laughs) uh, No, yeah, it's. uh, I guess it really is. Now that I've heard your story, Cynthia, really so clearly and straight through. My parents, you know, came from these remote mountain villages in Greece. 
And uh, they really did tell us about the streets are paved with gold. That's what they heard in the old country. So when they came here, boom, it was get to work. And they just didn't really have the time to advance their education in the first place. Where did they work? They they had a deli in St. Louis at, at first. And of course, you know, all the Greeks would come in and just eat all everything for free. <laughs> so that was not the greatest success. But we were also, Cynthia, we were very dug into the Greek Orthodox Church. Mm -hmm. So that's where the music of my people comes from. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that was a big part of our schedule growing up with the kids. You know, it's always going to church and always mm -hmm. around that beautiful Byzantine music and stuff. Mm -hmm. But so I have two older brothers and then there's me and my sister and we all somehow fell into, well, we fell into all this, the old Broadway kind of Hollywood music. That's what my mom fell in love with. She, she took us to all the Hollywood Warner Brothers, whatever those big MGM musicals, um, yes. musical theater. Yeah. Musical, I love musical those. movies. Yes. Yeah, so that's what we would learn to sing all together. And then for some reason, my mom had this fascination with uh, Mario Lanza. Mm -hmm. So she oh, would put yes. this record album on, the old RP, LP, whatever, 33 on. And my big brothers would go around the house making these hysterical, heroical noises, you know, singing along with Mario Lanza. Ooh, Mario Alonso was an old uh, discovered American tenor who got his yeah. big break on MGM musicals, but then became too big for his britches and pretty much didn't do well, anything until I mean, after a couple of couple of movies. But, but is he, that a story of hubris? I he, think so. Yeah. No, 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 no. He no? he was in the movies and everything, but he died very young. Oh, I mean, he, right. I think he was, might have become alcoholic or something mm -hmm. like that. But mm -hmm. let's I should have looked up more but just so research. people know it was he was an american uh, opera singer who got a success they, they in ngm musical, musicals they, yeah and they always put him in as the italian singer but he wasn't yes, yes. but he, i mean italian american <laughs> and stuff but you know super. yeah but so they would put him in these neapolitan kind of things and he mm -hmm. had a beautiful voice i still love him to this day he does have so everybody go voice. check out some mario lanza it, it just it just makes your heart thump really mm -hmm. it's beautiful and it's so visceral and mm -hmm. i think that's what i love about that operatic sound and that's why mm -hmm. i guess i wanted to become an opera singer there's something so visceral and so organic and you make it yourself mm -hmm. so you know when we talk about these britney spears and uh, taylor swift god love them they you know they have i think they have these kind of support systems Mm -hmm. And I think their parents, if we look into them, everybody out there in Radioland probably knows the story better than we do that, that they have a support system or their parents were in marketing or something mm -hmm. like that. And they were able to go and find them, you know, dance choreographers mm -hmm. and people to, to kind of shape and mold them. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of that. And we were on our own, you know. So my parents, like I was saying, they, they had these simple sales jobs and stuff like that, managers of whatever sporting equipment store which was a blast and and having these older brothers kind of they took the piano lessons first hated them and they would come home plop me on the piano bench and make me learn so Aww. and of course I idolized them and I wanted to do it for them and they made it so fun and funny and so the sense of humor comes 
with with classical music to me really easily. And so it just seemed hilarious and like fun and blah, blah, blah. And so, so when I got to college age, you know, I wanted to go do the classical musical performance degree, mm-hmm. but my mom said, no, let's be practical. So I got the music education degree. Mm. So I was already a pretty good pianist and the, those chops help a lot. If you're mm-hmm. you know, training a choir, you have to accompany and uh, be able to play and listen and see any tensions coming up and correct things. So I got really passionate about that, uh, but I just did not get to the experience of performing as a soloist. How do you present yourself? How much do you move? What do you do with your face? So I, I ended mm-hmm. up kind of being a <laughs> chewing the scenery performer. And uh, so it's really, <laughs> it is a relief, right? To be in a church choir, just stand yes. there, sing your prettiest. And, mm-hmm. and that's all. And that's all. No monkey business. <laughs> but college was wonderful. And, you know, you developed this passion for going to be a leader of young kids and, and, and show them all the fun and the beauty and the and that vibration that you get from singing in a group singing as a soloist and um, yeah but when I got into the real world (laughs) unfortunately (laughs) being in groups of small children made me sick to my stomach basically (laughs) oh (laughs) I I just it would say it's there's your anxiety you were talking about anxiety all the pressure of yeah I mean I was young and and, and I got engaged when I was just out of college and everything. So I was more interested in going and getting married than working with these kids. Who so was this at a school or something? Were you working at a school? I, did, I had one. I, I had the student teaching episode of my college career was wonderful. You know, North Shore suburbs of Chicago, highly high, you know, just super kids, super supportive of the best, best they had a great budget right? ever that was yeah, amazing and then like my tree or something yeah yeah it was uh north northbrook glenbrook north glenbrook, glenbrook north. north yeah yeah so for those who don't know outside the regional area that that's a fairly posh part or fairly upper middle upper middle to middle upper class part of chicago suburbs so tina you probably had a great support system but exactly. you, you were working as an educator not an entrepreneur yet it's just yeah. trying to build the picture here. So now you're mm-hmm. going from Northbrook. Somehow there's a flight to Kansas City. Or I that's, drove my car down there and ended up in a ditch because it was so late at night. But that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's another story. So let, her, let her share that journey with, uh, yes. with, with I liked her to share with us about the experience of teaching in a school. Oh, please. And yeah. what that, how that changed her path. Yeah, just I only had one semester at a very small town, but I'm mean, Galena, Illinois, little, little uh, tourist, beautiful, attractive town, lots of stuff going on. But all the children that I taught there in the junior high and high school choir were really like from farms. So completely different experience than I had in my student teaching. I was so spoiled. Mm-hmm. And so and even though I'm from a small town myself, I... I didn't really know how to deal. So that was kind of nerve wracking. And then, you know, they let me go because the original teacher I stepped in for uh, came back. So that was great for her. And yeah, moved to Kansas City and didn't 
manage to pass any of my auditions or interviews as a school teacher. So I got to, I, I definitely use my piano chops accompanying myself for an audition for Kansas City Dinner Theater. So I did that for two or three years and uh, yeah, and found, you know, the university there. There was a teacher who was great, but I was a little bit lost, I guess. So, so young singers, young musicians, you know, make sure you're grounded. Before we get into the next segment, we wanted to let you know you're listening to Getting Down to Business with Mark Mondo on WVLP 103.1 FM a community radio station out of Valparaiso, Indiana. Thanks for listening, and let's continue. So what is grounded to a musician? I know what grounded is for an, you know, learning my computer chops, and but I don't know what, what is grounded to a musician. It just seems like a very yeah. subjective, it a subjective is. trade. That's exactly the problem. It is so subjective. You, uh, you're singing. And sometimes you're singing about really emotional things. And so if you're, if, if you're really an emotional person, you could get carried away like I did. <laughs> and, you know, the first place emotions go to, in all of us, your voice cracks. It's going to mm-hmm. your throat. So I was trying to sing all these emotional, dramatic, blah, blah, blah things. And, uh, and emotionally and, uh, and personally, things were kind of falling apart at that time so I really lost my voice so so there so you want to find a teacher or a mentor and people who really are honest with you who who really tell you the hard truth sometimes it might be a hard truth but tell you the truth about how like Cynthia was saying how you look what kind of roles are you going to get so what are you going to aim your aim yourself at when you go to audition or do whatever but but to stay grounded is to keep your emotion, your people around you. I was really excited about doing my own thing, blazing my own trail. That whole American dream of you know, you know, you just your own bootstraps or whatever that is, which is not really true, by the way. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> mm-hmm. so so I so yeah, just going into this classical music world that my family didn't really know much about or didn't really. They didn't like it as much as pop music and, and Broadway music. It was a little bit lonely. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so that was the beginning of a performing career with dinner theater. And uh, then I found out about a great voice teacher in Chicago area. And I just moved right up here. And uh, yeah, and just like Cynthia was saying, you know, getting through the process of preparing for auditions put yourself out there on the line Mm -hmm. is really anxiety building Mm -hmm. for some of us. And you know what? There are some people who love that kind of stuff and they really thrive on the competition and their voice and their vocal technique really comes out, you know, when they're in that high intensity arena. Mm -hmm. So those people, God love them. That is, it's, and it's exciting to hear them too. You can hear in their voice how they, Mm-hmm. really just vibrate all over the place. But, but uh, so that was difficult for me. I would find that I would be exhausted after performances, little, little theater here, little opera there, all the, all the operetta, Gilbert and Sullivan with Cynthia. Um, it's, it's a lot about the social aspect of it, having fun together, but 
but there's a lot of, you have to save yourself and, and, and at points it gets really lonely because you just have to sit down and be quiet. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't feed in with people who are super social and sociable and want to do that kind of thing. So luckily I found yoga and um, that really, any musician, singers, everybody, I think would really benefit from that because you find these cool aspects about your body and yourself sitting quietly but there's more activity. And so it doesn't seem just lonely and boring. It's really building your instrument. And you're a yoga certified instructor. Yeah. Yes. And I was witness to that wonderful journey where she would come in before rehearsals at our church job. And she was saying, Oh, I did a new pose today. And I hadn't been able to do it for a long time. This is prior to her going to the Bahamas to get her certification. Am I correct on that? And uh, it was seeing her face light up and seeing how it affected her voice. And it was a positive experience. And uh, so I was happy to be a witness on that journey of hers and then her becoming a calmer person. Because when we first met each other, we were polar opposites in the set. I can can be alone for hours on my own. And I think that's why I was a good disciplined practice a musician because I didn't mind being in a room all by myself practicing for hours. I enjoyed being with people, but they would wear me out and I would need to re-energize by myself. So when we would be doing operetta together and we'd be waiting in scenes, I'd be back in the dressing room, drinking my water, kind of reviewing my notes and or just relaxing and really not in the conversation or talking to anyone. And she'd be out there laughing with the other ones laughing and they'd be going over some dance steps and everything. And then she would say, I'm so exhausted, you know, at the end of the performance. And I said, well, maybe, maybe if you take a little, you know, and I tried to say it gently, I was like, well, maybe if you didn't do so much in between scenes, you you might have the energy. And she goes, oh, I know I should do that, but I don't. (laughs) And she would walk (laughs) off. But as she became uh, passionate about yoga and became an instructor, that changed. And it was really cool to see. It was a beautiful maturity and where she still had her bubble, bubbliness and energy and wonderful personality, but she knew when to step back, be quiet, take care of her vocal health, you know, especially when she was doing a lot of performing. And that also just comes with age. And some people never learn that. But that's part of also being, you know, being a singer, because we use our whole body to perform. We have to be aware of our diet, how much, you know, sleep we're getting, exercise, what allergens are out there that might affect our voice, you know, not drinking, not drinking a lot, definitely not not like a rock and roll you know, the rock no. and roll lifestyle. And if you can, if you can live with that kind of discipline, some people find it hard. Others, you know, don't. And I, I think it's how much do you want to commit to your, your singing career will determine your lifestyle. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, or, or like some of us just, it, it's a spontaneous thing. You know, I, I, I just couldn't help it. Mm-hmm. I started doing yeah. piano. I went to college to do teaching and the, mm-hmm. the, teacher, one of my advisors kind of guided me to that gig in Galena. Mm -hmm. And then the, you know, relationship took me to Kansas City. So I don't even know if I planned anything. I wanted to be just a big opera singer Mm -hmm. on the Met stage or in Mm -hmm. Europe and traveling around Europe, living out Mm -hmm. of a suitcase. That's fine. But then the last show I did really cured me of that being backstage with all these stinky performers and his disgusting costume that wasn't dry from the last show we did 
mm-hmm. <laughs> trying to put on makeup and not having a makeup person. So, so I'm really happy to sit now with individual little kids and uh, talk with them and communicate with them and, and uh, talk like a professional though. It's really fun to, to, you know, when all the children are sitting in front of you in a choir, ah, you get just, I got distracted, uh, but, but with one student at a time, it's a wonderful focus where you can bring yoga stuff and, and, uh, and uh, mindfulness and uh, focus and concentration mm-hmm. to their music practice, whether they've practiced or not. So, so yeah, it was like, a, I think it was more like an addiction to me. My voice teacher here in Chicago would give me some new cycle of songs to learn and you wouldn't see me for days. I just obsess about it. Yeah. So obsession, obsession is a <laughs> addiction. It was a good addiction. There could be worse. There were worse. So at your stage of you're, you finished Kansas City's done with you. Yes. You're done with Kansas City. Uh, yes. You're done. You've come yeah. back and I apologize. I'm get everybody else on the right timeline. So now you're helping kids in teaching piano one-on-one or doing choir teaching or, or tell us a little more. In Chicago, actually the first thing I did in Chicago was pass the audition for the Chicago symphony chorus. Mm -hmm. So alto one in the Chicago symphony and, you know, young people in their twenties, wow, you just take that job and go with it. And so sometimes I got paid, sometimes I didn't. And I was, constantly struggling there to get the full professional deal. Uh, I did get that. So could you explain a little bit more of that? Because that's one of the unionized, one of the two unionized choruses in Chicago for uh, singers. And uh, it's very hard, first of all, to get in. There are three. Yeah, the Lyric Opera. Lyric Opera, that I forgot. And the Chicago Symphony Chorus. Right. Orchestra. And basically, those are the three their gold standard. If you get in there and you get to the professional level, that means you're getting paid union fees. You're getting that whole lovely, sweet deal with those yeah. organizations. Yeah. But in the Chicago Symphony Chorus, you had to do what, Tina? Well, within within the contracts of each of those, I think mm-hmm. they have, the management has the opportunity to hire some volunteers so they don't have to mm-hmm. pay. And then there's a right. level of associate. So they pay you for some and they don't pay you for some others. And then the, yeah, core, whatever, the core, I guess they call right. it in the lyric right. chorus, um, full-time paid. I'm very time. proud of her. I'm her biggest cheerleader because she oh. worked very hard to audition. She got into the CSO. She got to work under Margaret. No, uh, no, she was Margaret. retired. She had just retired by the time oh. I got this. It was Dwayne Wolf. Oh, I'm sorry. So can you tell the rest of us? <laughs> but how I just want to say is? she got in after, you know, she got into these two choruses, Grand Park Symphony Chorus and Chicago Symphony Chorus, ones that I auditioned for, never got into. And then I I think she, did you also audition for Chicago Lyric Chorus? I know I did, never got in. And you know, that's those are basically the three opportunities if you're based in Chicagoland, other than being a soloist, uh, to get regular, well-paying gigs. I mean, that's that's the funny thing, too, is like, oh, is it really well-paying? Um, a lot yeah. of people, you know, are married or mm-hmm. have other support, or they do have a day job when they do mm-hmm. those symphony chorus gigs. Mm-hmm. But I was still starting out my private teaching 
career. So I started out as a voice teacher first, but now I prefer uh, much prefer piano teaching. And and so I, you know, if you have a car and you drive down there, you're almost paying half of what you made in one call to the parking garage. Right. So right. that made it difficult. And and once I got you know all this teaching and stuff, private teaching, I was able to let that go. And um, it's just a strict schedule and you have to be at a certain place. And uh, so with the, with um, the private teaching, you know, I went to a little school, their storefront school in Evanston for suburb north of Chicago. And some of my friends opened up this new school. So they are the real entrepreneurs, I think, in the situation. I just floated in. They let me have a, a little room and teach. And then I heard from another, again, I'm just going where everybody kind of, invites me. Another singer friend of ours from the church choir, a tenor professional, Jonathan, told me about a piano teaching agency or online school that he worked with. And I auditioned, interviewed there, and it was enough for them. And I've been with them for over 10 years, I'm sure. So that way, you know, they're offering us students talking about how we get more work. Um, That's kind of, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And then here's, yeah, the, what you were talking about with the rejection, oh, like every end of the school year, a half a dozen families say, well, we're going to take off and go to the French Riviera or whatever. And so there goes all my full-time income, mm-hmm. but I think the yoga practice and that, whatever that is, that meditative mindfulness practice and positive thinking is a practice. Um, it just kind of keeps you going, all right, well, that's all right. And magically, oh, it's not magic, but magically other people come in. Mm-hmm. People well, um, I think also, know you, they refer you, they yes. send company referrals. Yes. And, so and I, I that's yes, I, I would say networking is key. I think we got to a level we both agreed uh, that at a certain level, you're just tired of auditioning and you want more consistency. So you, you know, because of the network of colleagues you've made in the performing arena, they start helping each other saying, Hey, I I heard there's someone needs a mezzo soprano for this gig, or they would like you to audition for this, or they would like to just directly hire you to be in the choir for this temple. And, or, you know, I found out if you, get online and apply for this application, you can sing for this big choral piece with the CSO symphony, you know, because they're going to be doing uh, movie sh- movie soundtracks or whatever. But I, I, I saw more and more for you, especially that you were getting opportunities because people knew you were good. You were easy to work with. You were, again, a very good musician and they needed you. And so it was nice to see all that hard work pay off where you didn't have to go and audition you were referred to get a lot of this stuff. And then also being a good teacher, they referred you to other families who would hire you to be their children's teacher. Mm-hmm. If I'm not, if I, correct, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's really, that is really our, in our, in our toolkit is your mm-hmm. personality. You mm-hmm. know, if you're really demanding Mm-hmm. And and families say we want the kids to have fun. We want them to have a good musical experience. experience right. Then make it. Then you have to make it fun, and you have to right. not be so strict or something like that, or demand right. that they, or yell at them if they don't practice or whatever. We just try right. to make fun, just like in right. the old days. You know, it was fun with my brothers. Nothing, no hassle. And so I make it 
try to make it as fun and sing along. Even if they're piano students, there's always singing going on. Mm -hmm. And um, do you prefer teaching versus performing or is it pretty much equal for you? Nowadays it's, it's all the same. Yeah. Okay. Okay. For the sticky costumes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and this brings me up to more of the nitty gritty of being an entrepreneurial uh, musician is that because you're basically other than the piano business that you have now, which they take, you know, they do your taxes for you. I mean, they take out oh, all that you know, for that's, you. That's that's half of it. I also half have a private studio. Right, that you where... have to maintain and do all that at tax time. I would think it would be hard being a full-time teacher musician and you know, being able to make a livelihood when where you can pay your rent and you can get health insurance and things like that. Could you share a little bit about that struggle? Especially Isn't during COVID. Especially during it's, COVID. Who knew? Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, the COVID thing was the greatest thing ever. I just wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Why? For my teaching, what? for my teaching. Sorry, sorry. No, 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 no. No, that we're we're doing that. Say it again. You don't understand because we we heard that all the you know, the bars were closing and theaters were closing. And, you know, how could you as a traveling teacher, when you're got to go to that person's place and bang on a piano? Yeah, there's Zoom, but all right, you got to tell us some more here. You're you're shocking me. Yeah, the parents were just, I started a couple of families during COVID because the parents just wanted to have them doing something. I had just happened to get the latest upgrade, you know, the iPhone 11 or something that had FaceTime in there. And they all knew how to call me in on FaceTime. I didn't know what I was doing. So sorry, people who are looking for technical, <laughs> technical uh, guidance. I, uh, it all sort of happened super easily for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would call in, I could sit here at my piano. And, uh, you know, there are some people who really really have all kinds of setup. They have a, a, a camera above so the student can see them playing. Some people just teach online full time, mm-hmm. but that's not my specialty. And then a camera off to the side and a camera underneath, whatever they do, you know. So it's like you can studio. really, yeah. It's like almost like a multi-camera shoot, like a multi-camera shoot. Yeah. Yeah. As I, I, during COVID, I saw some guy teaching jazz so beautifully. And he had all this stuff. Yeah, it was really amazing. I thought, oh, no, I'm never going to do that. <laughs> I just want to be with people, talk to people, and uh, be there right with them. But, but you learned you learned technology pretty quickly when you had to during COVID. I mean, yeah. you were, I at learned one techn- point, you told me that you kind of liked it. Yeah, I could be at home. If somebody didn't call in, I could go water my plants or cook mm-hmm. dinner right here. Mm-hmm. It's very, um, it's hilarious. I, Mm-hmm. driving from house to house, you know, right. so much driving during the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reward is, you know, how much I'm able to charge the, mm-hmm. the private students and and uh, just being together with people. Mm-hmm. It's just like performing. The social aspect is the big yes. payoff for me. Yes. A huge me payoff. And, you know, yoga would probably say, since I didn't expect that much money, then the money comes pretty easily and uh, and it's not that big a worry. I did go into a lot of debt because I wanted to have certain things, but I also wanted that freedom and the schedule. 
So, so that's a, that's a fine balance, but huge corporations, they carry debt. The real estate world carries debt. It's all, everything is as it goes. Able to leverage it, you know, yeah. instead of just buying debt for lifestyle purchases. <laughs> you know, if you invested in an iPad, no, it was off. for lifestyle. No, this oh. was the thing they taught us in the music education, Uh-oh, you know, us. undergraduate degree at University of Illinois. Uh, what they say is lifestyle, or no, 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 wait, what is it called? What's it called? Uh, standard of living, quality of life. What mm. quality of life? I want to be with people, make music, and have fun. Mm-hmm. Do I need to have a giant ranch house? Do I need to have a you know mansion or anything like that? Do I need to live any specific place? I didn't need any of those things. I wanted to be with fun, clever, creative people, and make music and and uh, share those ideas of music, technique, composition, the poetry. Mm-hmm. You know, so all these subjective things and technical things. That's music mm-hmm. is just amazing. You know, mm-hmm. your physics. Uh, teachers talk a lot about the physics of your body and your throat and your voice mm-hmm. um, and teaching that kind of vocal technique so that's really fun too and it's all and like never quit learning you never quit learning did you feel you that when you came out of uh your with your with your degrees that you had given when we came out from with our degrees the technology we have now was not even in existence uh, but did you feel that they gave you some sense of tools of like how to run a business or, you know, just basic budgeting and, and, you know, claiming your deductions for your music expenses. And, you know, do you hire somebody to do your taxes or are you doing them yourself? I mean, none of that was shared with me, especially in graduate school, where they were asking me what my career plan was. And, you know, where do you see yourself in five years as a performer? And what if you do, if you're performing, you know, career ends, what are you planning to do? But they never gave me the, really the tools other than saying, have a headshot, have your five audition arias, have your three Broadway songs, you know, have a tape, resume. That tape and your resume. And that's it. You go out. And um, we did. And I, at least I didn't have in my mindset that I was an entrepreneur for my brand, for me, nice. Cynthia, the singer. That was not in the lexicon of anybody. It just wasn't part of the, of the thinking. And, you know, now it's all about self-branding and promoting yourself and social media, using iPads for your music instead of actual paper music. I still can't get over that because I'm such a tactile person. I'm like, but what if it, the battery dies or what if I tap it and it doesn't advance? Try it. I love it. You know, but, but yeah, like you first were surprised by it, but now you're like, it's really a lot of fun. It's really cool. And I still lick, I still lick my finger to tap the. To turn the page. <laughs> <laughs> I just say there's a there's so many changes now, and there you know, looking back, of course, is 2020. I just wish somebody had sat me down saying, if you want to be a performer, you're going to have to you know uh, try different avenues, have your fingers in different avenues of music to to bring the networking experience and income, and you also have to promote yourself like an like a a brand. You know, you you've so people remember you and and can identify you and possibly recommend you to somebody else and not in a cold corporate way, but uh, I just was never given really those tools or that 
suggestion. The only person that ever said anything to me about that was my sister, Elisa, when I was, you know, saying I've, I've sent out all these resumes, mm -hmm. these churches to try to get a church gig. You know, I've gone to auditions. I've sent in my audition tape. But I said, nothing's happening. She said, well, uh, she said, have you, uh, what was it? She said, well, you do know you have to promote yourself, that only you can promote yourself and you need to look into other avenues. Have you gone to, uh, she said it really well, but basically it's kind of what was a precursor, what we would say now is branding, self-promotion. Uh, we just didn't, ha I just didn't have that in my psyche at the time. And, yeah. uh, you know, not that it's any easier now than it was back then. It's just, it's, it's amazing to me what technology has done, uh, you know, that I would hope that for especially classically trained singers, I don't know if the whole AI and all of that, it's going to be as disruptive to their career as it is, say, for TV and movie performers. But I think the place I've seen the most growth in technology with uh, classically trained singers is in the productions of stage productions. Uh, it's not where they're really affecting technology, it's not affecting the voice or making it produce it sound differently but it's using technology to make these really cool productions and uh, using that kind of technology or, light. The, yeah, exactly. or that we can, like we did for COVID during COVID at our church mm -hmm. gig, we could not be together. So for the first, so in like 2019, we all zoomed called in and we would have like these teaching choral sessions with our conductor. And then he would send us a tape with the, with a tick path, you know, a click path on it. And we would have to record with our phones, you know, and our ear pods, we'd have to record our section and then send it to him, you know, and he would put it all, the conductor would put it all together. And then that would be submitted for the online worship service as part of the music. And we all learned to get really good at recording on our own. And then he, had us all in the church, but we were all in different rooms that were all sanitized with sanitized according equipment. We had speakers, AM radio, so we could hear each other. He had a mixing console and we had a, one of our choir members was a volunteer, worked for WBZ. So he was all into sound engineering. And that way, our second year for the next two years, we were producing beautiful music electronically in different yeah. rooms. And it was such a cool experience of how technology helped us keep our music going and keeping that family together and that networking. So I see that as a good example. My only complaint about technology is auto-tune. That's the only thing I don't like about technology. Oh, those, yes. those archetypes again, the Taylor Swift's. <laughs> Are they using yeah. auto-tune? I don't, I don't know, Cynthia. Do you think they'll be, uh, they'll be uh, taking pictures of of the opera singers or the symphony chorus singers and then pretty soon they're going to just sh project the hologram and play their old recordings <laughs> don't say that <laughs> don't say that that's, that's, the thing. that's the thing this visceral thing of real acoustic music mm -hmm. hope that people always want to pay for that and experience it and experience mm -hmm. being all together you know right. some you know there's always a balance so most of those and people I, that sit in those audiences, they're kind of bookworms and they're kind of, right. you know, introspective yeah. people. And I think, I think, you know, like the Lyric, Chicago Lyric Opera, they do have an outreach program where they have their young opera singers or apprenticeship programs go out to the schools, especially in the south side of Chicago or other 
less service schools to show them the joy of opera singing. And then they have put on these little opera scenes with the kids that week. And the kids are really, for the most part, just, you know, drop their jaw going, how can you make all that sound without a microphone right up to your lips? And how did you learn to sing like that? And, you know, this is so cool. And that's what I had always wished, you know, when I was seeing and performing was telling people it's not an elitist art yes it's in these beautiful old kind of elitist looking buildings and theaters but opera singers would be happy to sing out in the park you know it's a beautiful form of art form of music which i just wish more people of all social economic levels would enjoy and it'd be a regular part of their community culture than it being so isolated so that's the one thing yeah. I, I'm a little concerned about. But what pearls of wisdoms do you have, Tina, oh, being a sure. teacher and performer? And what would you share for the future? Mine is that opera and classical music would get out there into the field more for everyone. I say for young musicians, really use every facet of your being, you know, keep learning. Mm -hmm. Keep bringing, it's like being a good writer. To be a good singer, we have to have some richness. We have to have a lot of knowledge to bring to the story. Mm -hmm. So that if we sing in a weird language, that people still understand. Right. Use every facet, you know, use your, you know, if you're outgoing, you know, be careful of that. But, but use your social skills, use your technical skills. If you're a numbers person, you can you have fun watching the numbers roll in as your money rolls in or whatever. But making social contacts and 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 just continuing, continuing to to hone your instrument mm -hmm. or your voice, no matter what, you know, you can get sick, but you're gonna recover and use use all the things that you've learned to to give to your audience or to your students. Mm -hmm. So that's my pearl. Too many pearls. Yeah. It's a that that was such... a string of pearls. Well, it's a string of pearls. <laughs> and I'll add one more pearl to that lovely necklace is true, is that one thing was an epiphany for me is that it's a long, always learning is lifelong. And that's not a bad thing for a while. I was just like, oh, but I worked so hard to get here. Do I have to keep learning new things? And I realized that my musicianship went down when I wasn't learning new things and I wasn't around wonderful musicians and supportive group. And so, yes, I, you know, some of the best musicians, they practice every day. They're learning new things. They're reading a lot. They're working with different genres of music or musicians from other areas of music because you're constantly wanting to learn and hone your craft so see learning and practicing is a wonderful thing <laughs> yeah and like yeah. and just surrender to all the things some some of our singers you know uh, are composers too somebody mm -hmm. made a whole musical so mm -hmm. they so they're composing and they're and some people really like to listen to all the different recordings of all mm -hmm. the old singers and new singers but some just don't want to learn listen to anyone else and and do their own sound uh, so so you go with what what your you know intuition where it takes you whether mm -hmm. you yeah study a lot or just study a little and be spontaneous and sometimes that spontaneous first run first take is the is the best you mm. know so so cultivating spontaneity that's my uh secret <laughs> to 
coming. <laughs> well, we're reaching the end of our hour, unfortunately. So I'd like to thank my husband, Mark, for keeping us on the level and on time today. Wait, wait a minute. That This is a role reversal. Yes, it is. <laughs> and I'd like to thank Tina for coming on the show today and sharing her ups and downs as a professional musician and how it correlates to being an entrepreneur, a self-promoter. Oh. So really appreciate all your insight. My um, pleasure. This was fun. Let's do it yes. again. Yeah, maybe we'll do a part two. I think we could do a part two. If you missed some of the show today, you can listen to the replay on Thursday at 1 p.m. Central Time on WVLP 103.1 FM or live stream at www.wvlp.org. And I store the past shows for my husband on his website at w.com forward slash podcasts, or you can listen to the podcast on your favorite app at any time. We're listed in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and Podbean. Just search for Mark Mondo and the show will come up and you can subscribe to the show for the latest updates. Thank you for being with us today and we'll see you next week. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>